Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 39, and can be found on page 38 at the back of the Pew Bible, and page 1563 in the large print Bible. Please stand. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. The second gospel reading can be found on, in the large print version on page 1513 and in the small print version uh, on uh, page 6 at the back of the Bibles. And it's taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Lord, as we begin this season of Lent, as we look to grow closer to you through spiritual disciplines, Lord, we pray, uh, help us be inspired by your Spirit to commit ourselves to prayer this Lent. Amen. So, prayer. This is the beginning of our sort of five-week series uh, looking at prayer. It's a real core and important part of being a Christian. But it's not just Christians, of course, who pray. Uh, Tear Fund in uh, 2018 commissioned a piece of research in the UK. And it was quite fascinating, the results that came back. Because despite the increasingly secular nature of the UK, their survey found that 51% of adults in the UK prayed on some sort of regular basis. 
Uh, and interestingly, it, it wasn't just, because they dug down into what they were praying for, it wasn't just people praying at moments of crises, of things going wrong and people kind of just throwing a prayer out there. This was people praying on a whole range of topics. In fact, the, the, the sort of number one thing people prayed about was their families. So why is that? Why? Uh, are, you know, even there's lots of us here this morning, but there's so many more thousands of people in our, in, just in our parish alone who aren't here this morning. But, but why is it that, that half of those people are probably praying? And come to think of it, why is it that, that prayer appears to be a part of pretty much every civilization throughout history? They, there seems to be some form of prayer built deeply into human culture. I think it's because prayer is part of how we've been created. Uh, the God who creates all things uh, brings us into the world with a purpose, and that purpose is to know him. Uh, and we have to uh, try and build a relationship with him to know him. And prayer is our primary form of communication with God. Uh, and this, this, this kind of beautiful form of communication appears to cross every cultural barrier. Uh, and as much as our kind of modern, you know, largely secular country has tried to get away from it and kind of dismiss this sort of thing, clearly that primal urge to cry out to God still remains. It hasn't been wiped out. The Canadian psychologist David G. Benner uh, described prayer as being the soul's native language. Uh, and Pete Gregg just puts it slightly more simply. He says, to be human is to pray. That is how caught up in our identity uh, as humans praying is. And of course, prayer was a fundamental part of Jesus' life. And uh, in our reading from uh, Mark's Gospel, we hear uh, how Jesus got up while it was still dark, and he goes and finds himself a quiet, deserted place to pray. Uh, and I chose that because there are just countless examples of Jesus doing that all the way through his ministry. We read it time and time again in the Gospels. Jesus withdrew to a quiet place. Jesus, you know, if we were following the lectionary readings this morning, it would be about Jesus going out into the wilderness for 40 days. Prayer is like the bedrock of Jesus' life. It's, I think it's when we see him at his most human uh, and also his most God is when, when he is in prayer. Uh, and let's be honest, if, if Jesus needed prayer to have that relationship with the Father, then boy, do we need it. And that's why we're going to take this time through Lent to focus on prayer. Because my prayer is that for all of us, every single one of us this season, would either embrace or work on having a life of regular prayer. Uh, and I want us to do that because it's the place in which we are most likely to grow in our relationship with God, but also that we will most likely encounter the love of God as we do so, in a real and tangible way. Now, some of you are already thinking, because I know if I was sat there, I'd be thinking this, regular prayer, I'm a little bit busy for that, Andrew. Have you seen all the things I have to try and pack into my day, you know? There's the kids, there's the grandkids, there's work, there's this, there's that. Do you know what? I, I get that. But Jesus was a very busy person too, interestingly enough. And, and, and the, the weird thing is, is what we see in the Gospels is that the busier Jesus was, the more people wanted him, the more people wanted to hear him teach and healings and all that sort of stuff, the more he withdrew to pray. The more he needed to go to that solitary place. Because prayer was the thing that fueled Jesus to do the busyness. 
Without the prayer, Jesus couldn't have had the ministry on earth that he had. Um, some of you might even remember this book. It came out a long time ago, but, but Bill Hybels wrote a book that was entitled Too Busy Not to Pray. Anyone read that? It's like going back a little way. But do you know what? I think the title of that book is just so apt. We are, you know, societally, we are too busy not to need to pray. Uh, we really do. And I think if, if any of you this morning kind of go, yeah, my life is a busy place, then I'm going to very gently suggest that prayer is part of the solution of slowing down. And until we put that in place, uh, we will struggle to keep up with the pace. So how do we uh, get started? Well, my hope is that these next five weeks are going to be immensely practical. Uh, alongside our toolbox talks, that's going to be our mini Lent course that's the 11th, 18th and 25th of March, that combined with Sunday mornings is uh, going to be giving you lots and lots of practical stuff to take away and have a go. It's kind of a little bit of departure, like normally we take a lot of time to unpack our Bible passages, and we're going to do that a bit less and focus a bit more on how do we actually get going and how do we do some of these prayer things. Um, and the beautiful thing is, as I look around, we, we represent quite a good cross-section of different traditions within the church, and, and my hope is, is that our teaching and combined with our Lent course, we're going to try and hit a broad cross-section of different traditions of prayer that the church has come up with over the last 2,000 years. Uh, and my hope within that is that there will be something for everybody, because we're all wired up differently, uh, and there will be certain prayer practices that work brilliantly for me, but are hopeless for Helen, and vice versa. And uh, one of the best ways we can learn is to, to hear about stuff that is perhaps not our natural place, because when we explore and give things a go, we're often surprised by how we might find God within them. There's no one right, right way to pray, uh, and, and really what this season is about is for, for us all to explore what is the way that works for us, what is the way we can do this on a daily basis. Uh, so today, what I'm going to do is, rather than sharing lots of specific um, tradition-specific things, I'm going to share some principles that I believe sit across um, any style um, these principles would apply to. So whether you are into praying with icons or liturgy or freestyling it in the park, uh, all of these things underpin um, how we approach prayer. So here we go. The first uh, principle is to find a place. Uh, the Gospels, as I've said, they constantly tell us that Jesus goes to a particular place to pray. And the Greek word, every time you, you read that in the New Testament, the Greek word that's translated is the word, the word eremos. I might have pronounced that wrong, my apologies, but eremos. And, and it can be translated in lots of different ways. Uh, it can be translated as desert, deserted place, isolated place, wilderness, quiet place, solitary place, lonely place, are all legitimate ways of interpreting that word. But it's the place that Jesus returns to time and time again for prayer. And I think if you want to establish a regular habit of prayer, then finding a consistent place to do it is an incredibly helpful first step. It doesn't really matter where, it has to be said. Uh, but it, I, I guess broadly it needs to be somewhere that you have a degree of comfort and a degree of space. Uh, and you can spend some time. And uh, a quick show of hands, how many people saw our Facebook competition this week to win a copy of our, our book? Excellent. So you will know that the question we asked people was, where was your favorite place to pray? And it turns out that, that you guys have a 
interesting, interesting selection of places in which we pray. But actually, just a really broad selection of places. We found that people uh, loved things like uh, favourite chairs, coffee shops, mountains, walking the dog, on the tube, people praying in their office. My hat is off to the person who prays while cycling, because that's a degree of multitasking I'm not sure I could get my head round. Uh, and, and my prayers go out to those of you who pray in the toilet or the shower. Um, but do you know what? Often that's the quiet place, right? You know, I've got two small children. The loo is one of the final places that I could be completely undisturbed. I don't pray in the toilet. I'm not confessing to that publicly. But there is a reality, isn't there? We need to find space where we can withdraw. And all of those different places give us that opportunity. Uh, one of uh, my great heroes of the faith is Susanna Wesley, who was the mum to the, the, kind of the other ones that wrote the hymns and did all the preaching thing. Um, and she had ten children. A lot, you know, I think two is quite a handful, but ten. Ten kids. That, and, and obviously in that day, she was the one who looked after them all. And, um, and in order to have her quiet time and pray, she would take her apron and put it over her head. And this was the sign to her children that you had better not disturb mummy because mummy was praying. So even in all that craziness, I can't even get my head around the idea of 10 young children running around my house. She still found time to pray. She found a place within all of that. You know, for me, like, people sometimes say, oh, what do you do? I drive. Well, mine's quite boring. Like, for me, I, I have, there's a sofa in my office. If you've been there, you will have seen it. And I sit there in the morning with, with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and my Bible and sometimes a notebook. And, and that's, that's my place that I withdraw to to pray. But where would that be for you? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to have a think about that. Where's the place that either you pray already or, or perhaps a place that you could withdraw to? Have a think. Now, anyone feeling totally brave, I want to just shout out a couple of examples. Where are some of our places? I've heard some of the extremes from Facebook, but where else? Where do people like to withdraw and pray? Helen, where do you go? I, I pray in my bed. In your bed? Excellent. That definitely confirms the comfortable portion of finding somewhere to pray. What about other people? Shout them out. Garden. In the garden? Brilliant. I, you know, I, I quite like gardens for prayer. Outside, park bench, or, you know, whatever. It's great, isn't it? What else? Other people? Okay, or, while walking the dog Look, quick show of hands how many dog owners do we have here I know there's lots because I've, I've seen you all about in the park it's a fantastic opportunity you're there in the quiet and the peace um, you know good place anybody else while running excellent not something I'm acquainted with but I understand the principles um, <laughs> right at the back Tim shout it out praise when he's shaving excellent Good level of concentration. If, if, if you see Tim with lots of nicks, he was praying very hard <laughs> that morning. So it doesn't matter where, but the important thing is find a place. And, and then having that regular place will help you build a pattern. Now, the next three things I'm going to share are Pete Gregg's three key concepts for building up a life of prayer. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. So keep it simple. We heard in Matthew's Gospel... Jesus is talking about prayer, and he's talking about how not to do it. And one of Jesus' basic bits of, of advice on prayer is, don't overcomplicate it. 
It's not supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be complex. Um, I'm going to read to you just uh, the message, Eugene Peterson's translation of, of Matthew 6, 7 through 9 that Helen read to us, because uh, it just cuts through it. It's so beautiful. He says, uh, this is Jesus' word, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And then Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer, 38 words in English. It's actually a poem. If you hear it in its original Hebrew, it rhymes. That's how simple Jesus wanted prayer to be. Not big, fancy words, but simple, understandable, memorable. As Justin Welby says, it's easy enough for a child to remember, but to fill a lifetime with prayer. We need to keep our prayers simple. We don't need a special language. You don't need perfect-sounding Christian words. God is completely unimpressed by that. You don't need a special prayer voice. It's not what God's after. He wants you to speak to him like you're speaking to one another because that's the level of reality of relationship with him. Long and complicated, leave it behind. Keep it simple. And then linked to that is keep it real. If prayer is about a relationship with a God who loves you, then he wants to know exactly how you are. He doesn't need to see the front that we might put up for the rest of the world. Uh, the author Anne Lamott has this incredible description of, of being honest and real in prayer in her book, Help, Thanks, Wang. And let me share it with you. She says this, My belief is that when you are telling the truth, you are close to God. If you say to God, I'm exhausted and depressed beyond words, and I don't like you at all right now, that might be the most honest thing you've ever said. If you had told me that you had said to God, it's all hopeless, and I don't have a clue if you even exist, but I could use a hand. It would almost bring tears to my eyes, tears of pride in you for the courage it takes to get real, really real. However you pray, whatever traditional style or form it takes, be honest with God. Tell him how you are where you're at, because that's all he wants of him, all, all he wants of you, rather. You know, I often find, like, when I'm going through a time and it's really pinched or stressy or whatever it is, and I kind of try my formulaic, beautiful Christian-sounding prayers, and I kind of feel it just doesn't go anywhere. And the second that I'm able to turn around to God and go, do you know what, Lord, I'm just overwhelmed today, and I don't know how I'm going to do everything on my list, and this, that, that's the moment where I find God. When I drop the pretense and just get honest with him, and just tell him how it is. And, and believe you me, you cannot upset or offend God. You really can't. He won't be upset by blue language, or you, you name it. You just need to say it honestly to him. Countless Christians throughout history have tried to offend God and failed miserably. Jacob wrestled with him. Moses whinged at him continually. Jeremiah ranted at God, and the psalmist cried to him in lament. And do you know what, and I love this from, from Pete's book, the only thing more amazing than the honesty uh, of those prayers is the fact that those accounts were not redacted from the Bible. The fact that God says, I want those words, those painful human prayers in my book, in my word, says to me that they're there for a reason. And it's to give us permission to be honest and real in prayer with him. So be honest. Tell God how it is. Last one. Keep it up. 
I think this is the hardest bit. The hardest part of prayer is, is keeping it up because what keeping it up really means is developing a daily discipline of prayer. Uh, if you were here on uh, Wednesday night, we were talking, uh, I was talking uh, in my sermon about how that is a real challenge. That you, you, you know, whenever we learn to do something, we have to go through the hard learning phase. And in prayer, it's just the same. And that is the bit that most of us find um, you know, you know, most painful and, and most difficult to get going with. But if we want to grow in our relationship with God, we have to bring regular practice to our life of prayer. I don't find it easy. I have to make a concerted effort to make sure I do my daily prayers. And, um, and I'm sure lots of you will be in that same boat. You kind of go, this is not something that we find easy to do. But it is essential for my walk with God. It's essential for your walk with God. Uh, and Pete Gregg, I mean, oh gosh, I'm going to share this with you because when I read it, it just cut me. Uh, and, and he says it this way. Uh, Pete says, here is the great and unescapable truth taught in Scripture, modelled by Christ, and advocated without exception by all the heroes of our faith. You cannot grow in prayer without some measure of effort and discomfort, self-discipline and self-denial. Just as you cannot get physically fit without regular exercise and a healthy diet, so your spiritual growth will be determined to a very significant extent by the prayer exercises you choose or do not choose to establish and sustain. kind of out there, isn't it? It's kind of plain and simple. You know, I read that and went, oh, but he's right. He's absolutely right. If we want to grow, then, then it will cost us something as we get these patterns and habits going. And, um, you know, I'm not alone. And when we hear the idea of praying every single day, I'm sure a lot of us feel really quite deeply challenged by that. But there are things we can do. Uh, I think there's, if we start in the right way, uh, and get our expectations in the right place, then I think we can make things slightly easier for ourselves. Because we do need to make prayer as easy and enjoyable, because uh, we know it's going to be tricky, and we know it's going to be hard days, so we need to make it as straightforward as we can. So, you know, if you're listening to any of these sermons and talks, and you kind of go, right, so I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get up an hour early, an hour before sunrise, no less, every single day, and pray solidly for an hour, then my friends you are probably going to be disappointed quite quickly if that's what you try and do. I know of a very small number of people who are capable of doing that, and they took years and years and years of building up to get to that point. That is you know, a wonderful thing to aim towards, but 99.9% .9 of us, that is not the place to start. Uh, we don't want to be disappointed by kind of you know, setting ourselves a bar that's so insanely high we can't maintain it. So start with something achievable. Look, most of us can find 10 to 15 minutes somewhere in your day, whether it's walking the dog, whether it's on your commute, uh, during a break at work, over a cup of tea. I mean, just literally think now. Where would you find, if you needed to find 10 minutes in your day tomorrow, where would you find it? I'll give you 30 seconds to think about it.
hopefully you've all thought about that. Hopefully you've kind of gone, yeah, this, oh, I, can, I can see 10 minutes. When I first started to try and do this sort of about 10 years ago, um, I used to pray on my walk to the tube station. I had it was about a 15-minute walk from where I lived down to Wilston Green tube station. And I decided that instead of listening to, to music, I was going to prayer walk my way to the tube station because it was something I did every day. So I didn't have to think about it. I, I was going to go anyway, and I was going to be in that place. And that became, uh, for that season of my life, my prayer time. Um, it's surprising how easy it is to find 10 minutes. Um, and if you need somewhere to find 10 minutes from, just look at the, uh, the, the uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, when you look on your phone and it tells you how many hours you've been on it every day. Because um, if, if you're anything like me, finding 10 minutes instead of, uh, you know, the time on your phone is easy enough to do. Uh, so have a go. And Lent is a good uh, opportunity because Lent makes us focus. Uh, and we can kind of go, it's for this fixed season. And, and as most psychologists will tell you, if you can do something for five, six weeks, there's a really good chance that you establish a habit that becomes permanent. Uh, so that's the, the making it straightforward. And the second bit is enjoyable. Like, combine all of these elements together. Find your place, find your time, and find a way of praying that, that you find enjoyable and engaging. Choose a pattern of prayer that you're going to have fun with. Uh, so think about who you are and what you like. So I know there's a lot of people in this church who love music of all sorts of varieties. So find some Christian music in whatever variety it is you prefer and listen to that as part of your prayer time. Do something you enjoy because that's a really, next week is all about adoration. Worship's a key part of our prayer. So find some music. Again, like so many of us are deeply addicted to caffeine. Make a cup of tea or a coffee or, or you know, uncaffeinated alternatives. Whatever it is you drink, uh, and sit down and enjoy that <laughs> while you pray. Um, again, if you're somebody who likes order uh, and things to be kind of, uh, you know, in, in the same place, find a simple liturgy to follow. There's tons online and I'll happily make suggestions for you. If you like writing or journaling or painting or potting or whatever it is you do, find a way of weaving prayer into those activities that you love. They're the way God made you, so there's a good chance that he'll want to speak to you through them. And last of all, whatever you do, just do it. It is easy to be people who think a lot about prayer or think a lot about the Lord and just don't do any of the bits as a result. Our faith is a practical faith. It's a faith to be lived out. Whatever you've taken from this morning, tomorrow morning, Think about putting it into action. Don't think about putting it into action. Put it into action. Don't think. Do. And yes, it will be a bit tricky. You know, there'll be, there'll be days when it's a hard effort, where it's a bit of a slog and you feel a bit of a nana and you think, oh, what am I doing here? But keep it up. Because when we do that, um, in the midst of that, we will have moments where we start to experience God. Moments where we realize that God is there with us, that we know that this thing of praying is what we have been created for. And the God who created you might want to speak to you through that medium too. So find your place. Keep your prayers simple. Keep them real and keep them up. When you go home, find your diary, your phone, on your paper diary, whatever it is, and put a date in there to meet with God in prayer. And do you know what? When you put that date in, God promises to be there too. And he'll meet you wherever and whenever you are. Amen.